Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man-based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall, thanks for listening. In this podcast, we chat to an array of business leaders from different sectors to learn more about them, their market, skill sets and knowledge. We hope you enjoy. Uh, today I'm joined by Joseph and Christian. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Pleasure. So we're going to chat about cybersecurity. Christian, we know we know each other from uh, previous life, I guess, from other businesses. We're fairly new to the business, and I thought it was a, maybe a good starting point. Yeah. Just to, you've been with the business a little while now, and I suppose it opened your eyes moving into that cyberspace area and realizing how <laughs> how how much needs needs to be or how important it is to the and. Uh, it is it is eye-opening i mean you if you work in a non-it or non-cyber world it is you don't think about what is actually going on in that in the cyberspace um you know most companies worry about you know the basics firewall and antivirus but if you like me come new to the industry and the, and the guys tell you know actually these are the the basics you know they don't actually help very much and you don't actually know what's going on on your network it is it is eye-opening and i from what I generally, it's obviously this, certainly in the finance world, is this IT infrastructure. This is just kind of, it's really a separate layer that often gets bought into the IT infrastructure of any softwares, etc. That, that it's not a blurred line, but that they're clearly distinctively different things that need to be considered. It is. They work together, but I mean, cyber is is a completely different industry as such. And Joseph obviously knows a lot more about that. Mm. Um, but for my, what, what I've learned is, from as a finance professional i mean we we think it's the same i mean the guys it guys know everything about cyber so you need a good it guy and he will make sure it's fine when you go into that space you actually learn it's a completely different training and the cyber technology is actually completely different technology so the it guys not necessarily know what it does but it complements each other they they work together and if you have the right setup they are you know better together Mm -hmm. okay so maybe start digging into the technical side a little bit, maybe provide a bit of background, Joseph, to your background, okay. where you even got into the industry and where where it's taken you. To this yeah, it's, uh, it's about eight years journey now for me in the industry of cybersecurity. When I first moved into the UK, I was not very clear. That was 2012. I wasn't very clear on what I was going to do with IT, but... Luckily for me, I met a professor in cybersecurity who was who was able to assess my personality, my behavior, and you know, and say, oh, "You're a very curious person. You like challenges and all that." Okay, there's this project for you. Go solve it. So it was just solving problems, you know, complex problems. Sometimes they say, "Scan the internet, scan the websites, you know, authorized websites and things like that. Find problems." give me a report. So that was eight years ago when I started. And before you know it, I started doing my project on cybersecurity. So that curiosity was steered from the very beginning. You know, then the challenges I was experiencing. I noticed cybersecurity has many facets, you know, software, networks, you know, operating systems, and then applications on operating systems are run on the operating systems and background processes and all those things. You know, so that's inspired me to create a business. You know, during my doctoral study, I started create, uh, doing cybersecurity consulting. 
for a lot of companies. I was a freelance uh, cyber threat intelligence analyst. You know, it was at one point it was in my LinkedIn, the only thing I had on my LinkedIn profile. You know, so it's an interesting journey. And day-to-day yeah. day day in that business, like the consultants and people yeah. you're working for, different industries? E-commerce, mostly e-commerce. I think I worked with about 35 e-commerce companies, creating websites, you know, already had IT background coming from Nigeria. But in terms of security, <laughs> the foundation was laid in 2012, you know. So e-commerce, looking after e-commerce websites, payment gateways, solutions, things like that. Okay. And most times I was hands-on doing the dirty work, you know, doing the heavy lifting. I was very, very involved, you know, in that process. And typically maybe looking at those e-commerce yeah. attack-wise, is that looking at cybersecurity around the payment element of it, people getting into the into data or a bit of everything? When I initially started, it was all about the application side of things. You know, every problem in cybersecurity today starts with the application. Okay, and when you say application, the, the, software, man on the, street, right, okay. the software, the person writing the codes for your payment gateway, that you should worry about. The person writing the building the model for the database, because it's all software. The database is a software. So if there is a problem there, once they get into your network, they can, you know, okay. compromise the security of an existing vulnerable application. So back in the day, that was about five years ago, I actively started you know, doing in-depth analysis of applications, web applications, Android applications. I noticed um, Android picked a lot of interest in the cybersecurity community. So you will be surprised what people write as software code, you know. And the whole problem... I, I, I might even could understand it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the whole problem starts with a lot of people not getting enough training. You know, I think the technology space is lacking that effective training. Nowadays, you get a youngster who's going to watch a YouTube video and start replicating everything. And before you know it, he's already paid to do things like that without understanding the whys, the nitty-gritty of the underlying technology. So perhaps, yeah. I, I guess in early years, yeah. I guess if someone's learning how to code, yeah. build, yeah. part of that fundamental education is not uh, is that side, but also yeah. the, the cyber side of it, y of yeah. you can't leave holes in this for these reasons. Yes. Right. So a, an experienced person who understands computer science and understands math, you know, very important, algorithms and all those things, and why things are the way they are, will probably not make some basic mistakes we're experiencing the world today you know so that's one good observation so uh, yeah. one, one thing i noticed from the linkedin profile as yeah. well is uh, work in the blockchain area yeah. so i bring that in because something from just an observer of that yeah. area of and whether it goes on in other parts of of, of coding and, and, that, and that area in general is yeah. that when they're building blockchains i've seen where they post out opportunities for people to break the code yeah and then offer a reward for that. Yeah. And I guess that's trying to plug those holes for those. That's that's it, when you talk. About yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll call them bug bounty, right? So, but so, but if a lot of companies take security very seriously right from the get go, right from the foundation, if they involve security analysts in building these models, the functions, the methods around those applications, there will be very very less uh, demand for. Uh, bug bounties, you know, and code breaking uh, activities. But unfortunately, security is an afterthought. You know, people don't 
really think about it. Most times you see in software development projects, the guys who take center stage are the project managers, you know, and the business analysts, and that's it. You know, the security guys are called after the project is complete, completed and maybe deployed to production. So if it's deployed to production, it will cost you more. You know, looking for bug bounty people, it's expensive. Microsoft spends millions every year on bug bounty programs, you know, so. I, I, well, yeah. I'd imagine, like, a lot of those businesses, they're generally yeah. in the startup phase, so yeah. often, I guess, cost is an aspect, so yeah. they're looking at the quickest route to market. And Yeah, but that's that's the problem. I'm not excusing the behavior, I know. but yeah. yeah. It's, trying to, it's, it's trying to strike, trying to it, strike, strike that balance, and unfortunately, it's still costing them more. You know, when you have a problem, for example, the blockchain where I worked, you know, for two years, I saw that if there is a problem with your application, not only will you lose uh, integrity with businesses, with customers, but um, a lot of people will lose money. Because when you miss a payment in the blockchain space, if you make payments, it goes to nowhere. So that is lost. It's not like a banking system where the bank can trace, do a trace and find where the money was and recover. There's no recovery. So you missed one digit or the, the application was not able to process. There was no good, um, there's a word for it now, um, checksum. There's no good checksum in place to check which address you're paying to in the code. There's a mistake in checksum, the memory problem, buffer overflows. The money is gone. It belongs to nobody, <laughs> you know, so that's a serious problem so it can affect global economy in that regard and and not to really yeah. want to talk about cyber security yeah. today but just blockchain in general that's mm. since since i suppose it's certainly from the bitcoin 2008 2009 yeah. Yeah. do you see that as fundamental part of life going forward that and, and integrating more and more into businesses yes blockchain uh, personally i think is a revolution Right, so revolution on the existing economic framework in the world. After the economic crisis in 2008, um, somebody or some group of persons under the pseudo name of uh, uh, Satoshi, Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto, so he they developed this new algorithm, new construct, new paper that why can't we decentralize the payment system? take control from the central banks the central authorities kind of democratizing money you know and that idea is what is not going to die because it's going to happen i see i predict it happening with social media as well with the latest level of censorship on social media we're going to see a decentralization of that kind of system going forward and most of all a lot of digitized services will be decentralized we'll follow that blockchain model i'm, I'm interested yeah. in your thoughts yeah. on that because if you look at something like yeah. uh, twitter as an example where yeah. there's now is now there's elements of sens sensitive yeah. sensitivity going on yeah. around around that and yeah. this world we live in where certainly most of us have free speech yeah there's then that balance between if it becomes i guess my, my simple mind is it becomes decentralized you can post whatever you like yeah you then get into an area where people are posting hate crime uh, etc how do you you know how do we get, as a society get that balance right because if you give everyone that complete freedom yeah then inevitably yeah people have always posted hate just that we don't have a platform for it 
you know hate has always existed how did you stop it in the past you just arrest criminals you there's law enforcement for that so if somebody let the law take its course don't censor any platform don't stop people from saying what they want to say but if what they say is illegal then let law enforcement do their job you know it's that simple so the platform is there that is why we are aware today the social media the ubiquitous platform so where the awareness is high now the distribution the mass interpersonal persuasion is high well i still believe we should allow people the benefit of doubt to make their choices you know yeah. make their I, decisions i've yeah. seen or read little yeah. bits about where almost the community so we we were all on twitter for example the community really self-governs itself so yeah. if there is hate going on if that that's yeah. just an example then the community as a whole can can for want of a better word vote people off and, yeah. and get rid of people and becomes a self-governing instead of relying on this police force or these police yeah the people police themselves which to me sounds like a wonderful idea yeah <laughs> yeah somehow yeah people but i think people will call you out when you post hate yeah. and all those things yeah, if you try to censor it's just like walking around with a duct tape trying to cover people's mouths yeah. in real world it's not possible yeah, no. let them say what they want to say yeah so so at the moment or the role you have at the moment in the yeah. business maybe provide a bit of, for our listeners a bit of a bit of an oversight for that okay right now we're working in a soccer environment it's called a security operations center where we look at cyber security intelligence so cyber threats in the wild on the internet and we combine that with security intelligence internally so all the activities going on in the network the logs the events and things like that i will try to build correlations we try to make sense of the data we try to understand what the risk are what's the threats you know what's the vulnerability who are the threat actors you know and that's the kind of value we're offering to customers so with this kind of intelligence, we can now build a formidable um, mitigation strategy. In case of incidents response, we can respond better because we have. So we're clustering lots of data from the internet and from the internal systems we have. And that's the value we're giving customers now, knowledge to respond and to mitigate against threats. So yeah. maybe to give a appreciating client confidentiality in general yeah a general again for more of a layman maybe christian might be the same a layman's terms where yeah. how do we see that apply how do we see that applied so is there a, a, maybe a case scenario where you see that or that value is added for, for individuals yes for, for businesses? every industry now is digitized the medical field digitized the uh, e-commerce digitized you know gaming everything is online you know even how we everything transportation is online you know so our services it cuts across every industry we can pull data from any device right as long as we have our agents or probes on those environments and does that pull yeah. of data vary depending on the industry or the principles the same uh the principles for intelligence gathering may be different right but the technology to pull it is still the same data. As long as it's op an operating system that is well known, Windows, Linux, or standard operating systems, yeah, we could draw data. As long as it's network devices that supports the protocols, like SNMP, WMI, all those standard networking protocols, of course we could pull those data, you know. So, but in terms of giving value, 
of course it's going to be handy to have people who have experience in financial sectors people who have experience in e-commerce sectors because there are various variants of malicious softwares for different purposes for different industry the kind of malware i'm going to create for air traffic control systems is going to be different from the one i would do for an amazon environment you know so there's a banking trojan you know there is the trojan for games you know to try to um alter or modify the functionality of raffle draws and all those things things like that there's a there's a malware for that <laughs> you know so there's malware for different purposes so because of the understanding of these different variants of malware for different industries the analysts need to have that understanding and that perspective when doing that final analysis yeah okay. but the drawing data is the same principle okay yeah I think I'm just about <laughs> following on. So, so maybe then looking at particularly cybersecurity and, yeah. and doing my own research. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a, it's a broad, it's a broad two words that can I guess cover many aspects. So, yeah. so when I was doing my research, there were things like they were talking about network security. Yeah. And I'll just run through these, and maybe we can just chip okay. in. So, application security. So, yeah. I guess that's phone applications would that be or even the infrastructure of software operating systems yeah that okay. covers that as well and how difficult so i think of like again mm. basic mind you submit an app to go on the uh, apple store app do yeah. they do they look at the infrastructure of your coding within the app very good question so there's a debate in the industry that which of these organizations and uh, google or apple who does code auditing better okay right and everybody discovers that Apple does better code auditing. And from experience in building apps on Android, Android will approve your app. I've done about 36 apps on Android. Android will approve your app within a week. Apple, it's not that easy. Okay. There's a lot of process. There's KYC involved. Android doesn't need KYC to improve it. No. At least the basic is know the identity of the person and further validation of that identity first. So when that app is being reported as malicious, it's easy to trace. It's easy to work with Interpol, law enforcement, and say, this is, these are the creators of this app. Well, I could create any identity and upload my app. You know, That's the first failure. Then because there is a lot of um, easy access, less uh, scrutiny of apps, we have a lot of um organized criminals developing exploits for android alone so if you look at the market share of viruses android has i think they're they are trying to overtake windows now <laughs> in terms of market share of viruses because of that principle so i understand why google may want to do that maybe for business reasons you know maybe they want to overtake apple but it's causing a lot of problems so in terms of scrutiny apple does a better job so yeah, so they yeah. do do audit, which I yeah. suppose I'd never think about. I'm just yeah. more maybe they'd look at it from a is it offensive? Is it does it you know does it work on our system? And yes. Yeah. And so so an example might be that again I use the word hackers or let's call them the, ba the bad people. Yeah. They they might create an app and they just which is a front for them to get you if people are putting that on their phone. That's then maybe a gateway into your phone. Easy, very easy oh, to okay. do that. So excuse me. So that's why security needs to be... I'd never cross my mind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Security needs to be um, a defense in-depth approach. So not only do you have network security, which I, I know we're going to talk about, 
having your firewalls at the perimeter level you need to have something that is scanning your applications so before the application application is downloaded on your device does android have an inbuilt sandbox does your operating system have if they don't have do you have one you know that you trust that you can install that scans all applications being installed so things like that and when you install it um the bad guys are very smart right so you may install a very clean legitimate app but every app on your phone creates a backdoor because the manufacturer the product developer the vendor will like to interact with the app updates and all those things so you install a nice application no virus no problem but now the bad guy knows yes it's time to send <laughs> command mm. and control so how often do you scan mm. you know so that's another issue does your yeah. job make you paranoid yes it's <laughs> you have to be paranoid you have to be crazy and they don't mean i just meant because there's yes. so much going on you get, there's a lot going on police, yeah. as they say. how many how many email accounts do you have just 200 emails <laughs> i always say you, you one of the principles of security uh, segmentation segmentation of uh, functionalities networks systems u- utilization of systems as well so your email for your bank should not be the email for your facebook okay. right the email you used to download stuff on the internet should not be the same email for facebook or e-commerce or or your corporate email so you should have different functions you know so it's very important it makes you paranoid i don't even call it a job cyber security is not a job it's a lifestyle <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember i think trying to remember yeah. two of the passwords would be a, a problem within itself but uh so going going back to kind of list of when we, when we talk about cyber security so data security yeah i mean data data is power nowadays yeah That's, that seems to be a fact you look at the issues that facebook have had about data and uh, the, the issues they had around yeah. that so I, I guess it's probably one of the basic ones data that most people think that is that is important but the, yeah. i guess as the world goes on data just becomes more and more the, the power the powerhouse of the world i guess yeah let me tell you something interesting i came across recently so there was a hack by some group of organized criminals on campari the italian brand campari wine so they installed ransomware they got into the network and locked down the data and uh, encrypted the data took the key away <laughs> and they say okay you're gonna get your data back but you need to pay this amount so compare they weren't forthcoming with the ransom so what the hackers did was to look for a regular facebook account hacked it and advertise that they've hacked campari so to put pressure on the victim you see th- how savage can you get mm-hmm. so that is the level of, you know, ma- malware, cyber criminals. That's the kind of, you know, scale and scope that we're dealing with today. Mm-hmm. It's sophisticated. It's not just some group of script kiddies who are bored and they don't have much to do with their time. It's a, it's a business. At, at some point in 2017, it was estimated that the cyber crime is what, what's more. In, in pounds in dollars than antivirus companies right, yeah okay. it's worth more <laughs> to be in the cyber criminal business than providing antivirus yeah i think i think yeah. i read they talk about the cyber crime costing six trillion i think yeah. next year that's the anticipated yeah. anticipated amount so the other bits we touched on mobile security and i'm going to delete everything off yeah. my phone after this podcast <laughs> and throw my phone in the river 
disaster recovery as well. I mean, it's it's an important part again. Yeah. Christian seen it as well in the business. That's uh, an important part. But again, it's always been a view of can't get into the building or can't log on, so they'll log on over there. But yeah. there's a different side from someone you mentioned there that taking their business down, shutting their business down yeah. financially, what that costs, let alone the reputational risk that that is for businesses. Yeah, the question you ask first of all is, for example, this case study Campari. How often do they back their data up? Right? How often do you back the data up on your phone? <laughs> and where is the backup going to? What's your time to restore? Right? So all these things need to be tested. And these, these are activities you do during a threat assessment. You actively do a, um, replicate an attack, simulate an attack on your network, and you test the backup. You see how yeah. quick it is to respond. If somebody encrypts your environment, your network with malware, how quick is it to recover, set up a new network and carry on business? I say, <laughs> screw you, you know? Yeah. So we, backup is one of the primary and underlooked, underestimated um, security feature yeah. for a lot of organizations. I wonder yeah. that restart time is yeah. maybe more in people's focus, maybe a little bit more now with, with what's happened with COVID, everyone having to sort of adapt yeah. While people work from home, suddenly they they have had to implement disaster recovery. And yeah. Maybe they've had downtime while they've had to get get home, get on networks, get logged on. So you'd like to think it'd be more in people's eye line now that yeah. that that's something they need to consider. Yeah. So we talked earlier about uh, building uh, or, or collecting the data, and the, yeah. um, again, not great with the technical terms, but in regard to AI, and is that an important part of understanding? Because again, you're looking for patterns, I guess. Looking yeah. for the, looking for the. You again, use the word bad guys. It's probably not the greatest term. Yeah. But is, is AI form part of that to, to, yeah. to help you guys analyze what you're looking at? Very good question. So where's the role of AI? I'm always in conflict with the role of AI in cybersecurity. I see a lot of people going to do cybersecurity AI. You know, now is important for data enrich enrichment. That's the role of AI. I'm not going to re, um, rely on artificial intelligence to do my data analysis for me. I'm not confident that the computer is going to be smarter than my eight years experience in looking at, or 20 years experience, or whatever experience. So AI is good to collect data. You know, we need data. We need as much data as possible. If we could automate the process, write algorithms to get more data, rich data, for analysis fantastic you know so my opinion is AI is good for data enrichment It's part of the data enrichment process it should be limited in terms of intelligence because there will be a lot of false positives you know and as, yeah. as AI develops yeah. no one's got a crystal ball but do you see somewhere down the road that perhaps changing in 15 20 years where AI let's say becomes more intelligent and it, it builds the, the human side that yeah, ma machine learning is going to be an ongoing process. You know, it's it's something that has, it's not today, it's been years, mm. it's just evolving. So it's just good programming, good code, you know. We in the industry, in the tech industry, we like to, we like um, uh, buzzwords, you know, to make it look fancy and sellable and all that. So machine learning AI is a good buzzword for programs that are getting smarter. You know, softwares and applications are getting smarter. I can, you know, and um, 
It can be polymorphic as well. They can change over time. So if somebody's logging in 5 p.m. every day or 9 a.m., almost everybody in the world is going to be logging in 9 a.m. in the morning, right? 8 a.m., depending on your time zone. And all of a sudden, the person is now logging in 11 a.m. In, in midnight, you know, in the night. And then your application should be smart enough to say, oh, something's wrong, you know? Things like that. So behavioral monitoring, uh, behavioral analysis, it's... Yeah, you see, I yeah. guess in the most basic, yeah. when perhaps you log on certain websites and yeah. it says, I don't recognize this IP. Yeah. So it's seen as something inconsistent in your behavior. Yeah. I guess like banks as well, where they make a transaction that seems inconsistent. Yeah. I guess a lot of that's AI working in the background. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose not to quite get onto uh, t- the Terminator and Skynet, yeah. but that, that, that thing where inte- the intelligence, oh, that's kind of why I was asking the question if yeah. AI gets to that position of, if not quite Skynet and the Terminator and taking over the world, but. No, if it's self-learning. Surely, yeah. there's a process where it will. I, I use the word outlearn as, as humans in just a, in, in a timeline frame. I don't think so. Do the human brain is more complex than <laughs> AI. Uh, that's my argument. Some people may not agree with me, you know, but I don't think it's going to get to that process here. But there's always the first thing they talk they told us about computers is computer intelligence or a dummy. <laughs> You know, that's the first basic one-on-one of computer. It's a dummy. You know, it's inputs, garbage in, garbage out. It's what you programming in. Mm-hmm. You could alter the program if you want. Yeah. So to, just to tie back to mention about blockchain earlier and the, the, one of the conversations I had with someone else around quantum computing. Yeah. Doesn't mean a lot to me. Yeah. But uh, power, power, I guess, it comes down to a computing. Is there a, again, we talk about, this, this, you know, people talk, I believe that, maybe one day blockchain can be unwound if that's the right again not yeah. great terminology with quantum computing again just maybe l- your thoughts on quantum computing in general a little bit what that is which i believe is just power of the computer <laughs> yeah so quantum computing i think that i have a personal opinion on that it should be restricted it's just like giving uh, a an 18 year old boy a machine gun the first time you go to buy a gun and you, you're not a pistol you're giving you're giving a machine gun you don't need it Right, it should be limited to organizations that really need to use it because it's going to alter a lot of things in the security world. So can I just yeah. ask if, if, yeah. if that's a general comment and then you apply the comment earlier about yeah. freedom of speech, do what you want, decentralized, yeah. why why, why does that have to be under someone's control but not censorship? Okay. Yeah. Just, to, just to challenge you. Okay, good. I will explain. The security controls we're developing is not growing very, very fast. The technology outgrows the security controls. Let's say you're bringing in quantum computing. We already have a an encryption algorithm, you know, encryption cipher algorithm, SHA-256, AES-128, AES-256, things like that, right? It's been static for years. We have MD5s, you know. Sorry to <laughs> disturb you with those encryptions, yeah. those jargon. I know them well. Yeah. <laughs> So, how fast are they growing? You know, it's slow, right? Google just developed the first quantum computer that may challenge SHA-256 in five years. So, how good are our mathematicians in the labs developing complicated encryption algorithms that no quantum computer can break? You know, you the growth rate is like this. It's, it's disproportionately, you know, large so the basic yeah. idea, what, what he's saying yeah. is that 
quantum computers are so powerful yeah. no password will withstand them whereas the most powerful normal computer yeah. these days won't get through a se very secure password or yeah. will take a very very long time yeah whereas a quantum computer is so powerful that you all can our crack your password yeah, easily yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 Maybe just slightly, having just watched the Snowden documentary yeah. on Amazon, where which I want to talk about data protection, I suppose, within a business, but yeah. applying that to that philosophy of, well, just entrust the big companies with that power, with the quantum power. Yeah. How, how do we as a society, if you look at the Snowden situation, where he's uncovered that they were spying on every you know American yeah. citizen, why should we trust Google with that, uh, that quantum computer? Um... Or is it the it's less that's less risk than giving it to everyone? There's some risk there in letting them have that power. The well already there's a little, uh, already a risk already with the existing technology model we have, especially with operational technologies. Operational technologies, as you know, it they are behind time. Technologies that control water supply, electricity, and things sewage and things like that. And we're already powering them with internet technology, which is too much for the security that they are built with, right? I can tell you there, there are logic bombs. In cybersecurity, there's a term called a logic bomb waiting to explode as long as one nation state gives an order and say, okay, we want this power um, plant to go down, this nuclear power plant to go down. It will go down. Right. Yeah, we call it cyber terrorism. So we have already a, an existing robust infrastructure that controls the life su support supporting systems, critical infrastructure that don't have enough security controls. Now you want to give the regular user a quantum computer. You know, the whole world is going to explode. You know, so it's going to be easy to crack your passwords. It's going to be easy to break into your two-factor authentication. Already Google says, don't use SMS or voice for two-factor authentication that can be broken easily use your authentication codes right. your one minute code your generator okay. yeah, yeah things yeah. like that authenticator app so we are we are seeing a situation where technologies is outpacing security controls we are behind i'd imagine that yeah, we're we trying be, to catch up yeah i'd imagine that would always be the case yeah but, but like it's that. too much now okay it's just it's just too much now we look at internet uh, cars you know now they're they are building a lot of technology tesla is doing a lot with digitizing every component of your car which is good for uh, functionality operations maintenance you know but what about the security of those cars they're still going over on unsecure networks you know unsecure encryption ciphers so there's already a problem there mm. they currently ISO is a standard organization for standardizing security policies and controls they are developing a new model for internet-based cars so there's ISO for computers and now there's gonna be ISO okay you know, and for cars. And that's not theoretical. Yeah. I mean, the these real. cars have been hacked before. Yes, yeah. yeah e easily. Right. You know. and, and the hack is then to cause the company problems, maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's the word? Ransom, ask for ransom, uh, just cause chaos. Yeah. Be yeah. pain. The same is in, in, in yachts. I mean, the sister company does yachts. And then, then so 
the only thing they need to do is adjust the um, compass you know a little bit move it out and the yacht would never know where they're going mm-hmm. you know or the power down the engines and say look we're not going to put that back on when you should pay us or something, mm-hmm. you know so all that internet based without the right controls as you're saying is is very very dangerous the cars we don't think about it because we we still believe you're driving them ourselves but all the computers behind those they they can just be powered off or the car could accelerate or brake because it's all drive by wire these days so you know and then uh, if, if someone actually wanted to they could cause a lot of damage you know accidents and yeah mm. increase your heater increase your air conditioning <laughs> turn up your wife your wife or disable your brakes have you ever noticed when you go to the airports the systems they use to book your tickets and print your tickets looks different you know the operating system it's not your regular windows 10 and things like that it's for a reason you know so if you really want to be secure build your own security infrastructure get your own type of operating system (laughs) build your hardware you know just like uh, North Korea is doing you know they oh. they don't use windows they don't use linux <laughs> they have their own infrastructure so it's going to be difficult india is already concerned now every infrastructure they use is supplied by china because it's cheap mm. now they're worried it's so easy for china to break into india mm. because we we built your masts we built your networks we control your hardware and software yeah. you know so it's so easy <laughs> yeah Go back to the Snowden thing yeah. before cybersecurity in general again. As a, yeah. a man on the street, you think of cybersecurity and someone trying to hack in. Inside, yeah. Yeah, Side so this is obviously inside getting data out. Is that some an area you guys work in? It's the on? biggest concern right now. You know, we you need to be very smart as, an, as a hacker to break into a network, right? Or you need to be a good social engineer to trick people to click on links, you know, deceive people. Well, that's that can be handled. We have plans, mitigation for that. The biggest threat is uh, disgruntled employees, you know, <laughs> uh, unhappy employees, employees that could be bribed, you know. There, there are cases where the criminals now give an employee a million pounds. Or simply forced to, through yeah. other means, you know, <laughs> uh, financial means. To open the uh, door from the inside. So it's a big concern, and that is why active monitoring principle of least privileged you know you shouldn't give everybody out there are many rooms in this building some people should not have access to certain buildings restriction you know that's the mitigation you know a lot of training you know yeah so it's going to come on to that i guess yeah a lot of a lot of training i think uh, um, the first is a lot of companies wouldn't know what their employees do with the data they have you know they have access to all the files yeah. on, a, on, a, on a central filing system yeah. and you wouldn't know whether some employee is is disgruntled or forced to you know find data and they could just download the whole drive and most companies wouldn't know mm. you know and then some of the big hacks are actually inside of you know revealing information and saying look here we go mm. and i think that's a lot of companies are not aware of that there w- there's a case i just remembered now recently it was a few months ago where Elon Musk, Tesla, was hacked. He wasn't hacked from the outside. Mm. Yeah, he was hacked from the inside, from Twitter. And they posted, and what the post affected the stock of Tesla. Oh, that, I do remember that. Yeah, period. that period. Yeah. 
you know so that's the impact now when they did the analysis they discovered that why will an employee be able to open a user an end user's account from the inside there's no basis for that i shouldn't i shouldn't be able to post emails on behalf of our customers from the email server the email server shouldn't let me do that mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no reason for me to do that mm-hmm. you know so things that those are the kind of questions when you do a threat assessment properly you identify those gaping holes because it's easier to hack a big organization than a small organization mm-hmm. yeah and, and i guess a lot a lot of what you do is just it's about there's always risk there always always and it's just trying to minimize that risk yeah so it's quite a quite a hard business model in some ways, isn't it? Where you go in and go, look, we can't, we can't put shut the door and never let anyone in. Yeah. So you, you, I guess you, you have can, to make your, yeah. well, to a point. But you don't have a business because yeah. you, you know you haven't got any outside communication yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So the, it's about you know it can't eliminate yeah. the risk, but you can manage it and mitigate the worst case. Yeah. You know, and you, t- you know the sooner you kind of identify these threats, the the easier it is to fix them. You know, and then the, the malicious actors, the longer they are in your system, the more privilege and access they have, the more data they have. The sooner you get them, the easier it will be to kind of stop them. You know, and that, that is kind of the, the main point. Yeah, and yeah. I think I saw whether, I don't know which, whether it was the, the, the Panama Papers or there was one of the, what I call big hacks that maybe hits, hits the mainstream media more, because I'm sure there's so many that go on that don't hit mainstream media. Yeah. But they've been in the system for six years just watching observing collecting more access points i guess yeah and i guess that's back to your point christian it's not because they get in today the problem might cost x today but if you leave them sat in there for five years the problem and therefore the cost just escalates from there yeah and you could do everything right let's say the threat is not from your side you have good passwords and good network firewalls but the vendor the vendor has a vulnerability that is zero day there's vulnerabilities nobody knows about there's no patch for so the hack or the exploit could come from the fault of the vendor the person who manufactured the software so you've done everything right but there's no problem from your end the end user the vendor is compromised there was a time where facebook developers were hacked not because they were vulnerable in facebook because the website they were going to to get intelligence and resources from was compromised so somebody went to the shop that you love to buy your things and plant the bomb there yeah, okay. <laughs> it could be even yeah. simpler than that because yeah. the, uh, the other day maybe a couple of weeks ago now yeah. it was uh, declared that uh, google was hacked but not google itself it was the the law firm yeah that handled personnel data yeah mm-hmm. and they obviously weren't aware and so some hacker thought, okay, I'll get the personnel data from these guys and then mm. I'll get into Google yeah. and I'll get the information I want. And, mm. you know, that's how sophisticated these are. They will find out where the weakest link is. And well, you talked about Panama. No, no, no. The being Paranoid. I'm so paranoid to the extent that sometimes... Although it's not legal in some countries, you have to know the law. You have to assess the security at the base level of some of the websites you visit before you click on them. Yeah? So there's a basic passive intelligence you just run, do some quick analysis on. So can I click this? Yes. You could take the URL of the website, 
run it through an open source threat intelligence database and it's going to tell you it's going to okay. scan the website against a lot of anti-malware apis to tell you what the threat is in the website okay it's safe mm, you know okay. so those are the kind of practice i do even if you're going to the bbc scan the bbc <laughs> before you click on the bbc yeah well i'll throw my phone in the river now so i don't need to <laughs> no, about it. <laughs> so uh, just on that vendor point i suppose mm. coming what i kind of yeah. consider attacking in through it through the through the side door or the back door the when you look at what's happened with COVID and everyone adapting to go or a lot of people adapting to work from home perhaps they've taken their own work pc home or they've just logged in from home but they're logging on from their own broadband network at home yeah i assume that poses a load of uh, risks that again you, you'd like to think businesses would have more in their their eye line but often you feel when you're in your office you're in a building the infrastructure's there you're suddenly yeah. stepping out i guess that they're weak points that people need to consider now yes. i go forward because i guess working from home is going to be more and more uh, yes yeah so all these things can be covered when you do about four things first of all you do risk assessment of course it's very theoretical you know good needs experience to do asset-based risk assessment then you do threat assessment this is where you take a step forward to look at actively what are the potential threat sources what are the capabilities of the threat sources you need to understand what they are capable of capable of doing capable of doing and then look at um, the potential assets so a correlation between between a, a threat source their capabilities and your assets will give you a good picture of what to do a good threat model then you do vulnerability assessment you know you start analyzing based on intelligence and the risk assessment the threat model you have a vulnerability assessment if you have more resources as, a, as an organization you do penetration testing now you want to see if you can actually get in you yeah. know so yeah. there are four layers you know risk assessment threat modeling vulnerability assessment pen testing to actually get satisfied with outside regular active monitoring and anal analysis of your data yeah. you know so those those are the activities that a lot of companies can't afford unfortunately so yeah. I suppose generally then on yeah. that note, people want to reach out to you guys yeah. to, to start that process, to start these types of discussions, yeah. to make them horrify and want to close the business down <laughs> yeah. and, and burn all their computers. Yeah. What's the best way to reach you guys? Okay, you can reach us at our office at Balasella, Euromanx yeah. building. You can reach us on our website, rylatech.com. Okay. Um, we're on LinkedIn as well. Okay. We pop us a message on LinkedIn. Okay, I'll add, I'll yeah. add you. Email. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for coming in today. Wow. Being insightful, if not scary. Thank you. Important. I think it's an important <laughs> message. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the reasons we want to chat chat with you guys. So thanks for coming in. Wow. No, thanks for having us. That was Thank really you good. very much. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes.